Welcome to Methods Unsound Presents Moving On, a five-part mini-series on the films we used to love that now make us cringe. My name is Christopher Ratcliffe, one of the founders and writers of Methods Unsound, a dormant pop culture website whose hour has come round at last and is slouching towards Bethlehem to be reborn. Joining me from the comfort of their own homes, because it's the only world we know, are four other members of the Methods Unsound team. Let me introduce them all to you. First, we have Joachim Farncombe. Hi, Joe. Hello, Christopher. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Awesome. Do you have any recommendations for us and our listening audience? Oh, man. Like, I've sort of given up watching new things. Fair enough. Moving on. (laughs) No, hang on, hang on, hang on. I started watching something on Amazon. It's another Reese Witherspoon drama. I can't remember what it's called. It's oh, starting it, tiny yeah. fires everywhere. Tiny fires, tiny yeah. fires everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like it's. I watched it before already. I've watched one episode, and it's just kind of. It's a bit like Big Little Lies, exactly the same yeah. character. And right. yeah, I don't know if there's going to be a new story to tell in that one, but I'll probably stick with it for a bit. And the other thing I started watching again, rewatching, is the first season of Flight of the Concords. Oh, because nice. I've always loved that show, and I listen because oh, mainly because I listened to the um, radio show on the BBC yeah. Sounds app, which was great. So I was just inspired to carry on listening to that, and then watched it. That that radio show is utterly sublime. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> so much better than the TV show. I think but very yeah. dear to my heart. Yeah, uh, I miss Rob Brydon. I think in the, in the TV series. <laughs> um, wonderful. Thank you very much, Joe. Um, Ted Wilkes, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Christopher. Lovely. Uh, has there been anything that's floated your uh, metaphorical boat in the last week? Um, so I started watching Snowpiercer, which is the TV adaptation of the film of the same name, directed oh, by yeah. Bong Joon-ho. And, uh, you know, this has got me written all over it. You know, a, 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 a train as a literary device for class struggle, um, which is, is, is fantastic and, you know, brilliant. But um, it's going all CSI dystopia. And I don't really know how I feel about that because the film was so great and now they're kind of shoehorned in this procedural element to it. And I don't uh-huh. really think I like it. Um, but I also I also finally got around to which, watching Midsommar, um, which scared oh. Jesus out of me. And now I'm I, terrified of Norway. <laughs> I have uh, strong opinions about Midsommar. It was one of the only films I managed to watch uh, <laughs> last what year and uh, about it christopher i'm interrupting before i'm meant to but uh, whatever <laughs> i thought it i sort of hated it <gasps> i thought it was i think it makes you think it's good and it's not really that good <laughs> i i think it's trying to be something it really isn't and it's dressing up like uh some oh god it's massively pretentious but without actually saying anything quite surface level and um I just sort of sick of it was three hours long, and I just felt brutalized by the end of it. And I just thought, well, what am I getting out of that that I couldn't get in The Wicker Man or you know much better horror films that are sort of slightly more thematically satisfying? Mm. And I, and I know as well, you know, it's it's the trope of the genre that there's so many chances to turn back and no one does. But right away, I'm like, no, not going there. That's weird. Don't do that. And and I, it, it, that's from minute twelve. So, like you say, it's three hours of just like, don't do that. That's bad. <laughs> it's haunting. Really haunting. Like some of mm. it stayed with me for quite some time. But I, not I, that's not a recommendation. I feel. Yeah. Um, um, to, but going back. Sorry. Go so, to say though, Florence Pugh is is fantastic in it. She is going to yeah. win Oscars in her future, in her immediate future. I have no doubt. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she she is the saving grace of the film. I personally think. Mm. Um, going back to Snowpiercer, who's behind it? Who who does the miniseries? Do you know? Um, it's it's Netflix. It's a Netflix extravaganza. Apparently, I mean, I, I I don't know much about it, but apparently, it had a lot of problems in the in the production and various directors leaving and such. And um, I, I haven't quite got because they're releasing it in chunks. I think because they're running out of content because of the the world we now live in. Um, but I haven't got quite to the point where I, I, I can feel that it's by different people, but I, I can see that it's coming. I can already yeah. see that it's coming and they're going to have to do something different and pivot. But I mean, I'm into it. I will continue to watch it. I mean, the film Snowpiercer has a really sort of like a tra- tragic kind of 
existence because it's mm. so underwatched and so undervalued and, and you know un- underseen and um yeah it deserves sort of far better than just to be remade as an average uh drama and massively so you know given proper place really uh thank you ted sorry thank I, you uh feel like I, I steamrolled into your midsummer conversation there a bit too much. <laughs> not at all um Matt Owen, how are you? I'm all right, thanks. How are you? Awesome. I'm very well, thank you very much. Yes, you're all right. Yeah. You sound okay. I've realized, <laughs> I realized now <laughs> that it's it's now become a thing where you feel obliged to ask me if I'm okay, and now I have to answer that question four times every episode, <laughs> and each time you seem more and more concerned. <laughs> Um, Matt, has you have you uh, have you seen anything that you uh, um, would like to recommend? I watched. Uh, what have we been watching? I watched the Love Birds, the new Netflix uh, sort of rom com uh, adventure with um, uh, Kumail uh, Nanjiani in it. Oh, which cool! Was quite good, and he's still looking quite beefy from his. Uh, um, He's in the Eternals, isn't he? Uh, and is has quite famously oh. become old. Oh yeah, he's shredded, isn't he? Absolutely shredded. Yeah. Um, and that was that was all right. It was quite good fun, non-demanding kind of, you know, some some good one-liners and things. Um, speaking of we of movies that brutalise you, I also watched uh, Glenn Danzig's directorial debut, Verotica. <laughs> Um, which... Can you spell that for us? <laughs> uh, S H I. It's it's oh. um, uh, Verotica is oh it is the worst film I think I've ever seen in my entire life, um, and that's really saying something as well. So it's like, is it recent? It's from like it must be. 2010 or something. When's Verotica from? I'm going to look it up right now to find out. Oh, so but... is that so? That's around about when Rob Zombie was probably at his peak, isn't yeah. it? Is that is 2019? God. Oh. Okay. oh. <laughs> um. Uh, a man in a rubber suit with a fake French accent, with extra arms, chases some various porn stars and strippers around and murders <laughs> some of them. And one of the porn stars has eye boobs, so she's afraid to take her bra off. But that apparently that's erotic if you add eyes instead of nipples. Um, I see. I wasn't sure if the boobs were instead of her eyes, but yeah. but it's it's. Mm. <laughs> yeah, either way works, I suppose. <laughs> but like, well, maybe that's something you could see um, for the sequel. Yeah. Well, so you know, that's obviously what Danzig's into these days. He's like, oh yeah, that's erotic, and it's in France, so it's more erotic. So um... everything's more erotic in France. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all the time. Uh, yeah, I, I'd give it a miss if I were you. All right, cool. <laughs> so that was my week. Yeah, it was great. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> And uh, we also have Catherine Thompson with us. Hi, Catherine. Hi there. Uh, do you have anything that you'd like to uh, share with the group? Uh, nothing as exciting as um, boo Bibles or whatever. I didn't quite catch that. But um, <laughs> basically, just the best the best time of the year is back. And that's the time of the year when DC's Legends of Tomorrow is back on TV. And it's just making me um, incredibly, incredibly happy. It's, my, it's literally, I think, my favourite ongoing TV show at the moment. And it's, um, yeah, it's wonderful. What season's it on now? Uh, must be four, four now. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's just cracking on. And as the rest of the DC sort of TV shows get really convoluted and a bit repetitive and and dull, this one just continues to be brilliant. See, episode after episode. Is there like a? Will there be like a standout high concept episode that you're looking forward to? Like the uh, the one where they go back in time to see George Lucas. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing. Every every ep- because of the top. So just to brief it back, it's sort of they took all the shitty characters that they've developed over years and all of the Flash and the Arrow and everything else that were sort of background characters they didn't have too much to do with, and they just transported them into this show. So there's no one particular 
character no one particular theme that they have to hold on to they just let the characters sort of revolve through and as they they sort of travel through time stopping problems but each episode has a sort of theme based on where they were so the one i watched this week was sort of an 80s slasher film um oh wow and uh yeah the, the main character's called freddie myers and they they really just play around with all the sort of ideas and the themes of whatever they've picked that week whether it's yeah like you say film directors from a certain period or or slash movies from the 80s and it's loads and loads of fun highly recommend it i uh i i personally really feel this recommendation because i know you've been recommending it to me for the last four yeah, years just... and i still haven't picked it up but i guarantee that <laughs> as soon as soon as our children go back to nursery <laughs> i will you watch will. I, I think will. it's really hard to like try and convince anyone like no one seems to want to watch it and I think it doesn't have any big big ticket names in it but it's just so much fun and they just they've just gone what the fuck we can do whatever the fuck we want and they go really silly with it and they understand what what it is it's a stupid tv show self-referential jokes 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 really but like really good um, drama work as well very very good but every episode you tell me about I'm like oh that's really in my wheelhouse that's great <laughs> yeah. I will I will Okay, cool. Thanks, everyone, so much. That was awesome. Uh, and you haven't told us what you've been watching, Chris. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Actually, I see. I, I, a dick movie. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdly, I watched every single thing that you watched, and no more, no less. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I will actually. Yeah, I know I've got a long-standing recommendation that I've probably been meaning to say since uh, the first episode we recorded, and that is on Disney Plus. Uh, it's the Imagineering story, which is a uh, sort of six-part or seven-part uh, documentary all about um, the history of Imagineers at Disney World and how they came to be, and you know their craft through from the very beginning, basically being told that. Well, Disney basically took all of his animators who had done, you know, Oscar winning work on Snow White and said, hey, guess what? You're making me a theme park now. You're building robots. <laughs> and uh, they had no idea what they were doing. And out of that sort of creative melting pot, they uh, just crafted some mo the most sort of awe inspiring, incredible tech and created all of these wonderful experiences. And it just takes the history right from the very start. Um, all the way through to stuff that isn't you know built yet and it's genuinely awe-inspiring and I loved every joy-filled second of it it's been true comfort viewing in the last sort of like yeah all the last couple of months so I highly highly recommend it and it just looks gorgeous as well like they've obviously they've remastered all of this old like you know footage from the 50s and 40s into 4k and it looks like you're there it's just wonderful and you yeah anyway i'm quite gushing about it mainly because it's the only thing i've watched that hasn't been the garbage we watch for this, <laughs> for this podcast. <laughs> so obviously it uh, reflects quite well speaking of garbage that we're watching <laughs> let's move on to the topic at hand so in this mini podcast series, which we've subtitled Moving On, the team will take it in turns to pick a film they used to love for a brief period of time that they've now grown out of. The other guests will then pick an element of the film they find interesting, shameful or weird and basically make the person who picked the film hate themselves for bringing it to everyone's attention again. Then at the end, we'll try to pick one thing each that we like about the film and we'll rate it out of 10 and definitively conclude whether there's anything redeemable or whether it should be quite simply disassembled this week it's joe's turn to pick the film jerakim would you like to introduce your film and explain why you liked it at the time and why you have less than warm feelings about it now right yeah sure um so the film that i've chosen is the 1986 movie short circuit that's an early shot fired from Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the reasons I chose this because it, it was one of the shortest movies I could find <laughs> um, which I thought was um, so okay so the short circuit tells the story of um, the good people at Nova Laboratories who innocently develop um, a series of prototype robots called SAINT which stands for Strategically Artificial Intelligent Nuclear Transport I just want to point out that Johnny Five has a nuclear device on him at all times in this film. Which I think that was quite an interesting framing for it. 
and no one mentions that. Um, I have vague recollections of what I would have been probably, I didn't go to the cinema to see this in 1986, so it must have been when I was seven or eight. Um, so yeah, 1987, I probably watched this film a few times on VHS. Um, I didn't even think it was great at the time, I don't think. I think I was just like an eight-year-old who was a bit of, you know, into a particular film, didn't have like strong feelings about it. Um, I kind of have the similar feeling now. It's it's sort of, I don't have like strong hatred towards this film, but it's, um, I think the, the common thing that we need to explore is the the cast of, um, <laughs> members of the cast that have appeared in other films. Um, if we're going to talk about the cast, can we please zero in on the guy? Fisher Stevens. Yeah, and how he's actually white. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that was going to be a, that's a oh, key thing I was going to discuss. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I sort of imagine we wouldn't that. discuss much else, to be honest. <laughs> I was reading, though, that he said when they cast him, that, like, the character was never, wasn't going to be Indian originally, and then just, I don't know, some... <laughs> Some tech producer corporate <laughs> suit from Hollywood was like, let's do an awfully racist stereotype. Let us go scrape up some female chicks. John Badham, who directed it, said that he did change it from just like a, you know, a, a white tech nerd to uh, an Indian and then just went with the idea to cast a, uh, a white guy who had actually auditioned for... I think Fisher Stevens actually did audition originally for it. Then they cast someone else and then decided that, oh, actually, I want him to be an Indian. I know I'll go to Fisher Stevens again to get him to do it. So um, Fisher Stevens got the job and then was sacked. And oh, then we tried to get it? someone else. Yeah, yeah. And then so, but the, so the second guy who has name I don't know got fired for whatever reason. They just, The studio execs decided they wanted the Indian guy. So employed Fisher Stevens. Fisher Stevens then went off, spent time in India researching what Indian yeah. people are like. And then yeah, came back yeah. with that. And then came back with that. Yeah, he's quite. I did, I did read it. It said like, oh, actually, in his defence, he did loads of research. And then one of those uh, like bits of evidence was did some yoga. Yes. Powerfully <laughs> <laughs> patronised. That's okay then. He was temporarily replaced by uh, Bronson Pinscher, who was. Do you ever see oh, Perfect wow. Strangers? Yeah. Falky. Falky, yeah. That guy, who's he's also in Beverly Hills Cop, isn't he? He's uh, yeah, extraordinarily he's like the fashion yeah. shop, not owner, but guy in the yeah, guy in the clothes shop, isn't he? So he, so so that actor is also. I mean, I'm, I'm, you might have to correct me on this, but like he's also a <laughs> white American actor playing a like an Eastern European in Perfect Strangers. Yeah, like is... ge- just just chin. <laughs> Generically foreign, kind of. Oh, Josh Gardner has a has a type, obviously. Yeah, I think that's one of the, one of the most shocking things about was the, the sort of rebuttal from John Badham about the criticism that was obviously even at nine eight six was levelled at the film. Is that he, he totally brushed it off and said people were just making a man out of a molehill. What's the issue here? I just think like yeah, thankfully we probably wouldn't be wouldn't be sort of talking about a film in the late in twenty twenty. You would have thought. That would, uh... Anyway, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I did read, though, that um, Aziz Ansari, I mean, he's no para- paragon of virtue, but he's done a whole piece in the New, in the New York Times, I think it was, uh, defending Fisher Stevens and saying he was a young, naive actor who got taken for a bit of a ride and he's now, uh, he's now very sorry for what he did. But, but you know, ultimately, he, he kind of owes his career to this film, I can imagine. So Aziz Ansari, he also thought that, I was going to say, Aziz Ansari also thought that as a kid watching this film, that he was actually watching an, an actor of, of our Indian origin. Yeah, so you can imagine how crushing that is for, for, for yeah. Aziz Ansari to find out that it never was the case. So yeah, no, you can totally sympathise. Um, um, aside from that, Joe, did you per- like purposely fi- pick a film with tons of actors from uh, our <laughs> previous film yeah. on the podcast? We like, you know, the guys loved Police Academy. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't get enough of Gutenberg, right? So yeah. there's also uh, G.W. Bailey, who featured in yeah. Police Academy, basically playing exactly the same character, some kind of like mil- overly militaristic uh, fascist. Who's a, was a fantastic character again. Professional douchebag. Yes. <laughs> um, 
There's, of course, Ali Sheedy, who I don't know, she's probably the best thing about the film, right? But her character's pretty, pretty lame, I thought. Like, well, she, think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> every, I was looking, I was Googling it and as well, and like, the, I think you can tell a lot about it by like all of, if you go and look at like the ratings on all over the place, it's like on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like 58. Um, it's like five out of 10 on like the consensus thing. Uh, it's like on Metacritic, it's 50 out of a hundred. Cinema scores like B, you know, <laughs> it's like everyone's like, it's fine, you know. <laughs> it's like it's all right. Literally it's fifty of <laughs> Not that shit, um, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it'd be that that kind of middle of the road. It's okay. It's fine. Kind of sentiment is just a pit mice by Steve Gutenberg. Like once again, the kind of like, how the fuck is this guy a star? <laughs> yeah, I really really jarred with me how they try and play him as a sort of nerd. It's, it's like the yeah. least convincing thing I've ever seen when he's like, we interfaced. And it's like, oh, you're not even trying. Just... <laughs> That's the weird thing, because like, clearly the character is supposed to be this person with absolutely like, lacking social skills. Yeah, exactly. And actually, it, it doesn't really kind of come across like that at all. It's, it's too almost too affable for that. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, as, we know, yeah. as we know, Steve Gutenberg's the coolest person <laughs> in the <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't think he was charming, but like... You said like, how is he a star? Like, it's his raw charisma is dripping off the screen the whole time. I, I will just just to defend him just minorly. He is better in this than he is in Police Academy. Mm. Uh, that's yeah. but that's that's it. That's... They didn't even put him in dorky glasses or anything. They weren't no. even trying. Uh, one more thing about Fisher Stevens' character is that in the trailer they cut him out altogether, which I thought was interesting. Oh mm. no. Um, yeah, oh, we that one. Will and, th- and there's obviously one more cast member we haven't talked about, which is the um, uh, what I just I thought of as like basically ET if it was a, just a metal skeleton. Uh, <laughs> yeah. ET yeah, skeleton. <laughs> yeah, I mean that this film would not exist without ET, right? Like it's it's yeah. like a poor man's version of it. Um, I thought that the voice of Jolly Five is excruciatingly annoying. Right, I'm kind of cut through me like a knife. Yeah, I I yeah. didn't pick up that as a seven year old. I don't know why. Um, yeah, the uh, okay. So one of the reasons why I quite like the film, maybe at the time, one of the saving graces is the like the, the animatronics that go on in that. I thought was is some of it's quite impressive. There's the mm. three Stooges scene where there's two of the other prototype robots, like uh, they sort of well, the, the three robots acting out the, the three Stooges scene when apparently there was like twelve people operate each robot at the time. I think some of that stuff is kind of cool. Like that, that's what appeals to me about these things, a bit more kind of organic filmmaking. Well, Joe, to get to sort of bring this to like the, the, the theme of the series. So as you said, this is a film that you watched when you were seven. Mm-hmm. And at that age, I, yeah, there's plenty of films and TV series that I watched at that age that I had no critical faculties to say that I liked that they were just on. So like, uh, did is it that this just stayed with you? <laughs> and it was just because of repeated, like, cause I remember this used to be on like every other Saturday on like. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, are there other films like this that you're like, why did I like that? <laughs> Most films of the eighties maybe, I don't know. You know, you said like it's, it owes so much to E.T. And I was, I was just thinking, like, there's a whole little bunch of these movies, aren't there? Like Flight of the Navigator and mm-hmm. those kind of things mm-hmm. as well that are basically the not same included. movie. Yeah. I fucking yeah. hated Batches Not Included. I <laughs> actually hated that when I was a kid. I thought it was the most boring film ever. Let's do that one. No. <laughs> I've changed my mind. Look. And, and, and Len, let's do Cocoon. No. <laughs> I can remember thinking, I mean, the, the most iconic thing about this film is probably Johnny Five reading a book really quickly. I, I still see that the cultural references that come up occasionally. Like you think that's that was probably the most uh, memorable thing from it, and possibly the big lasers. Mm. I don't know, and the fact that the robots making gin tonics. It's it's odd because it's that scene and the scene with the the huge kind of the huge uh, tablecloth map that really date this. 
um, for me because when I, when I saw him kind of reading through the book, I thought, nah, man, he'd just plug into the internet. And, and, and that, that for me, when I was like, I was like, yeah, you can tell this is the 80s. This is 80s kitsch all over it. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I, so I was old. <laughs> that's a good way of doing it just read it fast yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. well you remember when google tried to scan every catalog in the world and had that oh old God, yeah. google catalogs thing like just endlessly scanning argos catalogs like oh my goodness this is where they got the idea. today in the 90s <laughs> <laughs> um so just uh yeah I, if, while we're on the johnny five thing um he i not to get to the redeemable features, but like the design of Johnny Five is pretty cool. And actually, he's designed by Sid Mead, who did like loads of uh, basically any brilliant uh, sci fi film from the 80s, from Aliens to Blade Runner to Tron to a lot of like Star Wars like stuff. He designed that. Uh, and in fact, Johnny Five looks quite similar to um, the kind of terrifying spaceship. Uh, type like robot things in um, Terminator, and that's quite interesting. They have the same kind of yeah. pattern of um, of trucks. Uh, uh, He's a military code. robot. Though, yeah, so. yeah, with a nuclear um, bomb <laughs> and eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> Very expressive eyebrows. <laughs> One of the things I, I thought about was actually like you know you're saying how annoying the, his voice is, and obviously this kind of him picking up like cues and stuff of what to say and watching all that television and stuff, but like. I think it all would have been a lot cuter if he didn't say anything at all. Like mm-hmm. most of the like the cute, if you think about your R two D twos and stuff, like they're adorable because you can't understand what they're saying. Well, like Wally, Wally doesn't Wally, say anything. Yeah. I was going to say, like, how do you feel about the the Wally uh, short circuit type situation? I mean, visually, there's similarities there, right? Like, yeah. But do you, do you think of it as like a bit of a homage, or do you think that's just a straight rip off? Oh, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it like that. I, I know that I damn sell want to watch Wally again, but not Short Circuit. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, hundred percent. Yeah. Fisher Stevens uh, plays a Chinese man in uh, Wally. Because so. <laughs> there's, there's, there's even a, there's even a scene um, in uh, uh, Short Circuit where he watches someone dancing on TV, yeah, and then he replicates that achievement. It, yeah, and it, I'm like, this is Wally. This is mm. Wally. It's 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 mm. crazy how how they've kind of taken that idea and and turned it into this a magical Pixar uh, thing. No, did anyone else feel the sexual tension in that scene? <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh, hey, thanks. Okay, okay, turn off the TV. Come on, it's time for bed. No. the tv it's time for bed there's quite a lot on like you know about like the original script and stuff uh johnny and ali were were meant to be a bit more a bit more hands-on apparently <laughs> like a sort of howard the duck-esque kind of relationship oh, i guess gosh. It, it does say in the uh in the beginning when steve gutenberg's is is like oh uh if they say oh did you design it to kill or something he's like no it's supposed to be a marital aid and then when i watched it back i thought <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're going fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah, again, I, I'm going to say about like tonal films from this <laughs> this period, which we covered a bit with uh, uh, Police Academy. Like, is this a comedy, children's film, adults? Film? I came out of it very unsure. And as usual, it's like feels like a kid's film, and then he's like saying shit at the end and stuff. Yeah. And like, which it is feel, it? It feels a bit like. Another film that's being produced by a committee, and yeah. like it's gone through, it feels like it's gone through different iterations of scripts, and then various executives have got their hands on it and cut into it. Like I'm not quite sure what, what it's trying to be. Started out with RoboCop and <laughs> all got a bit diluted. Well, well, exactly, yeah, and then the looming kind of just that kind of shadow of ET hanging over it. But it's ultimately yeah. supposed to be a family kids film, which I suppose ultimately it ends up as. But it's kind of a TV movie that's somehow been given a 10 million dollar budget isn't it <laughs> <laughs> or they spent all the budget on the robot and yeah didn't have much left for boom shot <laughs> the budget was 15 uh, million and uh 1.4 million of that was spent on number three <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
I think the, <laughs> the rest on Steve Cooper. Um, no, the Steve bit where they were animatronic. <laughs> but they were standing in the desert or wherever with the stars. I was like, nothing has ever looked more like a set than this this yeah, yeah, fake yeah. desert that they're standing in. It was yeah, they really. Oh hey, speaking of that scene, does anyone want to discuss the joke that <laughs> proves that Johnny Five <laughs> has uh, become sentient? <laughs> oh, is this the? I can't remember quite the joke, but it's the it's rabbi. Basically, that... it is a children's film, yes, but it also has a quite awful anti-Semitic joke uh, at its uh, at its. Yeah, end. and Johnny Five finds that really fucking funny as well. Oh, he really like... does. Yeah, it's a real. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a it casts a real shadow on Johnny Five's character. It's 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 literally <laughs> the thing that Steve Gutenberg points to as as the thing that makes him like alive and you you think oh, okay that's maybe not one of asimov's uh tests but <laughs> <laughs> are you an anti-semite <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> joe you were i feel like you were going to make a, a point sort of about five minutes ago do you want so i i kind of have this occurring thing when i watch films like this where i i think it did the same with pirates of the caribbean where i desperately crave it to be really dark and really violent i don't that might say quite a lot about me <laughs> but the idea that um <laughs> These attack these killer kind of military military robots. Um, yeah, there could have been a very different film in this. I guess it's called Robocop. There's a there's poppies being crushed at the very opening shot of this film. That's, <laughs> that's pretty dark, you know. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's not much more going on it than that. I did some some research, and one of you know that was one of the things they were trying to figure out. How does he come to life? And I think one of the the first scripts, the idea was that, you know, it's like maybe he's a man and he gets his brain put into a robot <laughs> and then they're like, oh, no, I, I think that's already been done, you know. Let's <laughs> 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 just, just hit him with a bowl of lightning. Just fuck it. You know, who cares? <laughs> so. uh, talking of budgets as well, the least convincing storm coming in of all time. <laughs> Shaking some, like, metal panels out the back they're like oh a storm's coming blue skies everywhere it's completely long yeah well they did spunk all the budget on the robot i guess yeah. and then there's, there's something i quite it quite appeals to me at the, the 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 brevity of that that kind of intro like it's a very short film mercifully short but it's also quite it's very fast-paced and like i got maybe that appealed to me as a seven-year-old um and it definitely appealed to me as a 40 year old who has to watch shit film um <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah that, that was that's the particular moment of going yeah fuck it we don't need to explain this this is just the way it is i'm, I'm happy with that don't mind um, was, was anybody else really disappointed that I, I need a hero montage didn't happen and i because i was just waiting for it and then i thought oh no that's short circuit too isn't it um, <laughs> who, needs, uh, yeah. who needs that when you've got who's johnny by l debarge quite possibly the finest song <laughs> to, <laughs> to be written for a film in the 1980s have you watched the music video to that? Yes, it's yeah. fucking tremendous. <laughs> Cardboard Steve. <laughs> Cardboard Steve Cooper. I'm so glad you watched that. I. But also no Johnny Five, just Johnny Five's hand. Just his hand? Well, yeah, because <laughs> they fucked up all the robots, didn't they? <laughs> um, that br- sort of brings me on to like, something quite important that I feel I demand answers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? What is going on with the soundtrack to this film? Like, <laughs> if you were hired to write some music and you turned that in, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like... well, in the first five minutes, like the um, the kind of electronic, kind of sinister electronic stuff, it was quite promising. I thought that was quite like quite into that. I went down a rabbit hole, and there's like you know Frenchie from Greece, Dee Dee, <laughs> someone, the actress. Well, French, she's Frenchie in Greece, anyway. Right. Um, her husband, like, wrote the music for this. I said, there's, there's <laughs> trivia. <laughs> huh. um, but he was, like, music department in, like, Saturday Night Fever. And then music department in, like, The Taking of what Pelham 1, 2, 3, which is a great movie. And then composer in this. And then straight back into the music department forever. Never allowed to compose again after. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> David Shire is uh, is the composer's name. And yeah. Uh, it's, oh, it's just like, <laughs> I got, once I, no- I noticed it and then I just couldn't stop 
that was all I could pay attention to. It was like <laughs> kind of <laughs> people just pushing toy pianos down staircases for the majority. That's crazy, of the actually, because the conversation is uh, regarded as being one of the best sound designed films ever made. Because <laughs> it is all about listening, and it has to be. Um, wow, that's incredible. Uh, good work, Matt. <laughs> I would say that the, what, there's one uh, profound thing that this brought. Uh, sort of brought back to me uh, from my childhood is that I suddenly realised that I might have learnt about mortality watching this <laughs> as a seven <laughs> wow. it's that bit where he it's so explicit you know he crushes the butterfly he figures out that oh oh life isn't forever oh I'm gonna die and then has an absolute meltdown about it and it's like yeah I think that might have been a turning point where I realised that <gasps> my parents will die. <gasps> I'll die. <laughs> and then I, you know, I remember being like sad about that as a child and then continued to be sad about that still. Damn it, you clutch! Look what you did! Error. Grasshopper disassemble. Reassemble. Huh? Reassemble. I can't reassemble him. You squashed him. He's dead. Dead? Right. Dead as a doornail. Reassemble, Stephanie. Reassemble. I know you don't understand, but when you're dead, you're dead. That's just the way it is. Dead is forever. Squash. Dead. Disassemble. Dead. Disassemble. Dead! So, you know, I, uh, yeah, I think maybe it, it, it maybe it did like uh, Gremlins. So I found out that uh, Santa uh, <laughs> didn't exist yeah. through Gremlins because I watched it far well, too early in age. Wait, what a way to find out as well. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so maybe like uh, an important um, uh, a lesson was learnt uh, as, a, as a child through this. Through Johnny Five. Oh, I was going to say say the opposite. Like you're like I had this profound realization, and I was like, I know again, I'm not really sure on the genre, but I felt like it had so little to say. Not like it's got to have something to say, but also it's really dull. But like, it was just, what's it trying to say? What what's the like? What's the point? What's the point? Oh yeah, it's not any more profound than the surface level. No. But yeah. for <laughs> I think it's short <laughs> I think it's just by complete coincidence I happen to be reading iRobot at the moment because oh, yeah, a friend dropped over a load of books and I said I like sci-fi and, and that's that's where we are and it's just like all this like really, I don't know if anyone's read it, but it's like really deep sort of moralising about um, how you write these rules into robots and how they, you know, the three laws of robotics and all of that kind of stuff and then long come short circuit and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> And it's the perfect distillation of Asimov? Yeah! <laughs> Just put a just put a nuclear weapon on it that you don't talk about. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon it could be read as just pro life propaganda? No. <laughs> oh. 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 There's there's a, there's a PhD dissertation in that one. I think. <laughs> um, I feel like we should um, just bring it back to the uh, Fisher Stevens uh, problem. Uh, just uh, just to sort of cap it off a bit. Um, so I. I I think also not only is it denying another Indian actor the chance at uh, an acting job, um, which are few and far between uh, still to this day, but also they make that character such a weird, desperate pervert. I had totally forgotten oh, yeah. about yeah. all of that. Like he's so sex crazed. And like, I, I, I had to rewind it twice. Is there a bit where when Steve Gutenberg is describing, I don't know, maybe kissing, Ali Sheedy, and he says, I am sporting a tremendous Woody right now. <laughs> Anyone else catch Isn't that? Isn't he talking about holding her hand as well at that point or something? Oh, no, I think he says, we nearly held hands. I think that's yeah, the actual yeah. That's it. That's it. You're right. Yeah. And um, he's so excited about hearing that he um, gets an erection. Um, oh, and the, just... uh, the constant, like, taking the piss out of him not being able to get on with sort of English. Um, yes. 
Though he says Jack instead of John. Yeah, 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 and yeah, loads yeah. of stupid yeah. jokes. Oh, it's just very tedious. I know, and it really, <laughs> under, it really undermines that argument that, like, oh, Fisher Stevens did loads of research. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Joe, I was like, as we've been going through this podcast, there's been all these sort of complaints from everyone, to be fair, about these sort of uh, 80s, dodgy, sexist, misogynist, racist stuff. And I was like, Joe, Joe's going to have picked us a nice kids' film about a robot <laughs> <laughs> with nothing to worry about. He doesn't like any of that stuff either and here we are <laughs> yeah here we are again. i mean is that is it possible to watch a, a film from the 80s that doesn't exhibit one of these traits I, like it must be but yeah maybe, maybe that's the task the times. yeah yeah no i'm sorry Bill, that one i mean yeah I, I guess had you known that in advance of choosing it or did you rediscover that when you no i i was fully aware of the fish situation <laughs> <laughs> sorry um so i guess we should uh move into uh the uh redeemable features uh, uh portion of this um i guess ultimately is there any value to it is there anything in it that that, that you feel like <sighs> makes it vaguely redeemable uh i will sorry i'll, p- I'll pick uh catherine um so overall found it apart from all the offensiveness again um really boring but maybe i'm just not very good at watching (laughs) films anymore but i did find it painfully painfully dull um but i did have two redeeming features um i quite enjoyed the uh sort of bar fight i thought that was quite fun um Mm. not sure why but i just did um and i really enjoyed the opening sequence with like the lathe and uh, the the um electric circuits going in and yeah. stuff like that and yeah. the uh, uh i can't remember the name of it but um mainly because when you like watching asmr of people what was it stroking microphones or whatever i like to watch people mm-hmm. lathing stuff apparently <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you must have had such high hopes at the beginning of the film when the scoring scene's over Catherine me and you let's get together <laughs> watch the videos like, look at all these amazing cogs and uh, oh, it's so lovely oh that's wonderful <laughs> I did, it did set it up really well and I think it offered uh, uh, more optimism for it being decent than it, than it truly delivered um, Matt how about you um, yeah I think like Joe said the the robotics work, the animatronics is that is is fantastic and still still quite holds up. You know, it's still pretty impressive stuff. Um as you've said, it will it you know, is a good enough film to bestow knowledge of mortality upon <laughs> the young and <laughs> <laughs> um, and it contains the quote with excitement like this, who is needing enemas? So, I mean, you know, <laughs> there's three things going for it. <laughs> who and indeed? Who, who do you think said it, who Christopher? Said that, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah. It's where I'm going to just pop up again with recommending watching all films with the subtitles on as we age. Yeah. Um, for, so you can catch that kind of gem. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Uh, Ted. Uh, any redeemable features from you? Um, I've got I've got two. Um, the first one is is the kind of general like nineteen eighties um, aesthetic to the technology. It reminds me of like a laser quest, and I just got really excited at seeing all of those kind of uh, that green that shade of green and um, the the kind of text and those huge Valve TVs. I thought that was really cool uh, to see again on screen. And the second one is is the kind of Ali Sheedy and number five relationship. Because although once you get past the, the kind of weird bit of it, I think that there's, there's a really sweet film where the two of them run off and realize they love each other. And, you know, I, I, you know a bit like kind of Lars and the Real Girl, maybe. Um, and and you can kind of park all the, the government facility chasing them and just see what, the, what they're going to get up to trying to hide their love. I think that that, that would be a great film. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I wish we'd watch that. <laughs> Joe Kim, anything? Redeeming uh, features. Like, yeah, um, I quite admire directors who are shamelessly self-referential of their own. Oh work. my god! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, John. It, you want to? Um, yeah, you, you should explain that. Oh, so the the scene we've already talked about the um, the dance scene is taken from Saturday Night Fever, also directed by John Baden. 
She's <laughs> um, pretty shameless. I did I not know that. He also appears in it as well, I believe. He um he appears in it briefly as a reporter, I think. I can't remember quite where it is. I read that somewhere. And there's also there's various references to war games as well, which is a film I haven't actually seen. Oh, wow. he directed that too, didn't he? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Ali, is Ali Sheedy in that as well, I think? Yes, um, she is, yeah. And, and my other uh, redeeming feature is the, the ability to read books at the speed of Johnny Five, which I'm <laughs> you speak. Something to aspire to. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think... I've mentioned this before, but my redeemable feature is is the song "Who's Johnny" by El Debarge. <laughs> song that I, I, again, it's one of the many songs that I ironically like so much and listen to it all the time. That actually, I'm like ironic. It. I just I <laughs> actually love it. It's like "Wired for Sound" by Cliff Richards. I just love it. You know, <laughs> something innate in me. That is quite uh, good, isn't it? I snowed Yeah, isn't it? It's up there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, couple of very small trivia points. Uh, to I don't know if this maybe proves that it's so sort of e- either it's proving that it's so self-referential or that it's just not very original. But uh, the sound of Number Five's laser firing is the same <laughs> effect as the Ghost Ghostbusters proton packs powering. Mm. And also, do you know what? It's filmed in the same small Oregon town as The Goonies and Kindergarten Cop. Oh, so. Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> Uh, it's, yeah. it's got a lot of pedigree going on around it. <laughs> in and around it's its yeah. vicinity. But just not in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just to yeah, clarify, some Ted, very famous, talented people have seen it. Ted, did you get sexual energy from uh, from Johnny Five? And was there like a tension for you there? <laughs> I cannot remember her name. I mean, you know, I, I, the one from the Breakfast Club. Ali, Ali Sheedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, was, it, was, it was the bath. It was the bath scene that oh. um, that made me feel slightly uncomfortable with everything. I was like, "Yeah, there's something going on here, isn't there? That's strange." Stephanie, change color. Uh. Attractive. Nice software. Mm. Well, you sure don't talk like a machine. But um, yeah. I'll tell you what, she had a great looking bath though. I mean, literally the bath looked really nice. I'd, I'd like, to, like to get in that bath. Yeah, yeah, too right. <laughs> There's an extended version of that scene where Johnny Five tries to get in the bath and then kills everyone in the house. <laughs> just just on, Ali, on Ali Sheedy, could anyone work out what she actually sells in that van? Because it says it's basically what it says on it is grain. Ice cream. Well, it, no, it says cream. grain, grains, herbs, and yogurts. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand what you're trying to sell. Anyway. <laughs> she's, a, she's a hipster. She's a hipster ahead of her time. Like, she's, you know, so, yeah, yeah. right now. Like, yeah. Great. Basil flavored oh. frozen yogurt with <laughs> grains on it. I was, grains on look, it. I was trying to look up what. Oh, her... drugs. <laughs> <laughs> what, what her character was called? Yeah, I can remember. Um, and it's Stephanie. Her, Stephanie Speck. Her character Stephanie. is called Sixteen Candles. That's her name. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a very late laugh. That wasn't a delay. That was just my brain. Um, right. Okay. Let's mark this motherfucker out of ten. Uh, Ted, what are you going to give it? Do you know what? I'm going to give it a six. Whoa! Six. Calm That's down, Ted. Yeah, it's that bath scene, isn't it? It's the bath scene. This is it again. Yeah. Like him up. You got a woody under there, mate. What <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Matt. Uh, the the beige void of a perfect five out of ten. Uh, <laughs> wonderful. All right, uh, Catherine. What would you like to give it? Um. Three, four. You can have a four. Oh, oh, Pop, Oof. popped it over there. Oh. All right, four from Catherine. Joking. Um, I don't think Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes lies on this one. It's a five. Five from Joking. Yeah, I mean, it's Number very hard. five. Not to Yay. well. You know what, Joe? <laughs> I, I I would say that I wasn't about to make that joke, and I was, but uh, oh, sorry. yeah, that's pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, that's uh, why the, the whole movie is is okay. It's like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a meta joke on the part of John Badham. 
<laughs> just looking on uh, Wikipedia, actually, they describe the use of um, uh, Saturday Night Fever as an in joke. It's not. An, it's not a joke. There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing funny about it. <laughs> <laughs> I also directed this. It is really nice. <laughs> it's the same way. It's a joke. Like you know, all those films like um, that came out after Scary Movie, like Disaster Movie and Epic Movie. Their idea of a joke is just a, car- a-, a version of Austin Powers walks in and says "Groovy baby, yeah," and then leaves the scene. <laughs> That's all it is. It's, yeah. There's no comment. There's no yeah. like satire. It's just <laughs> that character appearing in a scene. <laughs> yeah, it's um, pretty sad. Well. If you want to know the the overall rankings for the films that we've covered in this mini series, um, oh yes, please carry really on listening this. to me, <laughs> and I will tell you. Still in last place is uh, is more rats with minus oh. one hundred million nine hundred ninety, uh, a couple shy of a billion, minus a billion. Then it's Police Academy with one point eight. One point eight. That's worse than I remember. A new entry at number three, short circuit Whew. with a very, Whew. very average five. <laughs> good, good. Then uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, five point six, which means Batman Forever is somehow the best film we've watched. Yay, what do I win? So, uh, Don't to watch it again. Yeah. You get to watch you get you get to watch the extended cut of More Rats again. Oh, what a treat. Oh me. god. So there we go. We've reached the end of this podcast oh. mini series and definitively concluded <laughs> that all of all the films we're embarrassed by uh, <laughs> Batman Forever is the best and More Rats is the worst. And that was my choice, so I should be the most ashamed of us all. What did we do uh, to ourselves and why? Which I feel is tad unfair, because two of the other films in this list that scored higher are actually much more racist. <laughs> hey, okay. uh, Batman Forever also won least racist, so I think... Oh, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we can pat ourselves on the back for that. Can we do victory, pro- can't we? appallingly problematic films that we still love anyway now? <laughs> did, did we just did do the Olympics Academy, Matt? Yeah. <laughs> I think we just did it, yeah. All right, right. Methods and Sound will be back with another miniseries soon. Uh, we'll probably pick a different theme, though, because we don't know how much more we can possibly put ourselves through this. So finally... All that leaves is for me to say I've been Christopher Ratcliffe and these people that you've been listening to have been Catherine Thompson, Matt Owen, Ted Wilkes and Joachim Fargan. Say goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. Goodbye.